Let those of us then who are mature be of the same mind. And if you think differently about anything, this too God will reveal to you. Only let us hold fast to what we have attained. Brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. I'm glad to be with you today. Throughout the summer, whether you know it or not, I've been preaching a series of sermons grounded in the basics of Christian faith. And if you're new here today or uh, you've been in and out and traveling and not been as consistent in your worship attendance, um, let me just recapitulate quickly. Um, This is a rocking chair, and I've enjoyed sitting in it rocking and looking at y'all this morning while we were worshiping. It's a gift It was given to me by a retired Christian educator uh, whose life significantly impacted the faith community at St. Mark's United Methodist Church. Her name is Jill Bushell. Some of you may know Jill, and she now resides uh, at the Wesley uh, Manor up in Tupelo. But she gave me this chair, uh, and and when I sit it in my office, I, I think about her often, but I think about it as a symbol of God's grace. That in the South, and I got to, for the first time ever, buying my own home here in Hattiesburg, I have a front porch, and it is wonderful, and it has rocking chairs on it, it has a swing on it, and I want to use this rocking chair and the porch as a metaphor to talk about prevenient grace, the grace that comes before, the grace that follows us before we're ever born, when we're baptized, it's bestowed upon us, whether we're an infant or we're, we're older in our life. But it's that grace out in the world that everybody knows about the kindness, the random acts of kindness. Even if they're not spiritual, they know about somebody doing something nice for them, just opening the door perhaps. But I grew up in the era, and if you've been watching syndicated TV, boys and girls and teenagers on TV land, every once in a while, maybe you're flipping through to go wherever you go, you come across this program that many of us grew up with in the afternoons or in the evening. It's called the Andy Griffith Show. And Andy Griffith and Mayberry, this idyllic, wonderful community, and Andy was the sheriff of the community, and they had a front porch on their house, and they used to spend a lot of time on Sunday afternoon, Andy and Aunt B and Barney, sitting out rocking on the porch and people would come by and they'd hey how are you maybe that's how life has been for you that it's been hey how are you and somebody's sort of drawn you up on the porch before you ever said anything to Jesus or whatever or got to know in this Christian faith stuff you just were invited on the porch well you just sat sat a spell and rocked now you have to use your imagination but imagine that right here in front of you is a door We had some doors back in the back in the mission room, but they were pretty rough looking and I didn't want to use it. But I just want you to imagine at your house, perhaps the door opens to the inside. But this other kind of grace we've been talking about this summer is called justifying grace or saving grace. And some of you grew up in communities where the preacher perhaps or people talked about, are you saved? Are you saved? Do you know the day, the time, the hour? that you said yes to Jesus. Well, some of us got up on the porch and we just sat a spell and life was good for us. 
And we finally felt nudged or got up out of the chair and said, wonder what's on the inside behind this door. It's kind of like let's make a deal for some of us who grew up with Monty Hall. There's a new version of let's make a deal, but what's behind this door? And we open up this door and we, we walk in this door. Something happens to us. We're changed. It's because we've been sitting out on the front porch where God's grace is in the people in the world and all those sorts of things. We've just been curious enough to sit down for a while, but now we want to take it another step. We want to grow. And, we, and so when we walk in, we realize that this is our house. That when we walk in the door, there's a whole new world inside. And so God has called us into this new relationship to give us a new place, a new space in which to grow and mature and become. And what we're going to find out is this house of ours is always under construction. That you and I are people who are constantly under construction by God's grace. So this morning, I'd like for you to think with me about moving in the household of faith from room to room. You can put that blueprint picture up there if you want to. Guys, I don't know whose house that is, but I just wanted to give you an, a metaphor up there about a blueprint that once we invite or invited on the porch and then somehow our relationship to God, we're curious, we're drawn, we're wooed, we walk inside the door, we walk in the room, there are lots of rooms to discover. This sanctifying grace in us, this feeling of of God's presence with us. The song said, if you're looking for a savior, just turn around. There's a whole, whole house to be inhabited. So if you will stay with this metaphor of moving from room to room, and I want you to use your imagination this morning. I want to think, you to think about your life's journey thus far as a house and as a floor plan. And I want to invite you into some of those rooms. And, and it's got, your house is different from anybody else's house. Because it's the household that you've been invited to. It's the door that you've walked through. It's the porch that you've sat on. And this is not a one-time thing. There are sometimes we can walk out the front door and leave the house behind and go back out into the world because the world's call is much more attractive sometimes. And we feel the pressure to go back out there and compete. But, but it's this process. It's not a one, two, three, four. I like it to be compared to circles. That's why I want you to think about moving from room to room and revisiting those rooms in your house. But I want you to think with me this morning. And I want you to leave here thinking about your journey thus far. How much time have you spent in these individual rooms? And we'll get to those in just a second. And what kind of shape is your house in, your house of faith? Let's go to the first room. The first room is the living room. The living room. When I was at, in Poplar Springs Church a few years ago, we were under construction. We were remodeling our church building. It was 50, the sanctuary was 50 years old. And we were doing educational space. And, and so for about a year and a half, like you guys, we had to worship in, a, in another place. We, we converted our, our family life center, our fellowship hall. It was two stories. There were rooms upstairs. And we brought in petitions like we'll set up here in a little while for the 10 o'clock service. 
And we created this space, and we had lamps, and we had carpet, and we had chairs and everything, and we put the, we put the chancel or the pulpit area back in a corner, and we set up, and we called it the living room. We called it the living room. And I want you to walk into your living room this morning, and I want you to look around in your imagination. How's it furnished? Is it a place that's inviting where people would want to come and sit and be in community with you and be in a small group with you? Would it be a place where there's music playing in the background? Or what channel is your TV on? Mine would be on ESPN probably. And and in your room, in your living room, what kind of pictures are on the wall? Whose pictures are on the wall? You see, in my living room, there'd be pictures of Miss Winnie and Miss Zimley or pictures of their family, which are my maternal and, and paternal grandmothers. And if you learn any about my, thing about my story, you will know that both my grandmothers used to rock me on their porches when I was a baby. And they would sing to me as I was a little bitty baby boy, two years or under. They rocked me on the porch. There's some pictures of some other folks. You've heard about George Gammon and, and Sam, Sam Clements this summer and these stories that I've shared with you. But you see, there'd be a picture of a guy named Johnny Barlow who, when I was in high school, moving to Vicksburg as a freshman, gave up my role in Jackson as the quarterback and as the BMOC in my class. The point guard, I wore number 23 before they ever heard of Michael Jordan. You get it? And I moved to Vicksburg where this kid named Mims, his daddy helped him stay in the eighth grade twice so he could play football because, you see, he was named after John Howard Vaughn. His daddy was the All-American at Ole Miss in the 50s. He was somebody, and I walked in, and he was the quarterback, and he had the prettiest girl in the freshman class, and I was a nobody until Johnny Barlow stopped by my house one afternoon on his bicycle and his little girl was on the back seat. I didn't know him very well. He was this layman in our church. It's before we had a lot of hired staff. He was 28 and I thought he was the coolest thing on two feet. He had a 1973 TR6 sports car, Sam. It was pretty cool. It was green. It was convertible. He let me take it to the prom. You see, Johnny's picture would be in there. And he'll be here in worship in a few weeks because his daughter, from his second marriage in life, of which I performed, will be a senior at USM this fall. And I'm looking forward to meeting and knowing Savannah. Who would be in your living room? Whose portraits, whose pictures, what furnishings, what memorabilia would speak about your faith? Would anybody have one of those those name tags we used to wear at Camp Wesley Pines when you went there for the summer? Or would any of you have a a cross or a name that you wore when you went to your first Curcio? I still have mine, Fred, at South Mississippi number three. What's going on in your living room, in your house of faith, whose life Your life has been changed because you've not only sat on the porch, but you walked through the door into this house. 
Well, let's move into another room. Let's move into the study. I was fortunate enough to have a study in my room, in my house, in, in, on, the, I mean, in, on the reservoir. And I've got a, a, a sacred space set aside in our house on, on Shadowwood where I study. How much time do you spend in that room during the week? And what things are you studying? One of the things I'm impressed about this congregation is its diversity. And, and when you walk out that room out there, if you haven't stopped at any of those tables, I'm not going to say shame on you, but close. We're not doing that just because it looks pretty out there. We're doing that to invite you as you walk through your, the household of faith to take time to be in the room where you study and where you begin to learn and experience and articulate your faith. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. And that you allow the great teacher, the Holy Spirit, when you read scripture or you read a devotional book or you read your Sunday school book, some of you are studying some outstanding resources written by some outstanding people and Christian writers in our culture today. If you don't spend time in that room in your house, I wonder what the rest of your house really is like and how, how strong those walls are and how firm that floor is that you're walking in. And, and when you stay in there, what are you praying about? Are you sitting in there telling God what God needs to do for you? You're, you're going through your laundry list of I want, I want, I need, I, 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 I. Are you in there to listen and hear from the one who knows you better than you know yourself? The one you can't fool and the one who loves you like nobody else does. How much time are you spending in your study? Well, let's move on to the, to the kitchen. What feeds your soul? What kind of spiritual nutrition are you experiencing? I've talked this summer about Wesley's understanding of the means of grace. Prayer. Corporate worship. Small groups, whatever that, that, that video was about. You got lots of different names for it. Do you have a face-to-face -face encounter with people that's intentional? And that it's life-giving. What's in your kitchen? Are you feeding, still drinking, as Paul says, on milk and baby food, Christian stuff? Or, or have you gotten off to the meteor topics? I was so impressed last night with, with David Sellers, his teaching at the open door. And it is a particular community about recovery. But you know what, folks? Everybody in this room is recovering from something. Amen. Y'all didn't say that very loud, but it's true. <laughs> David, David, man, he gave them meat and potatoes. He gave us meat and potatoes. It was powerful. If you don't know anything about 12-step living, we all could learn from that. We all could learn 
And he, he just hammered it home in a gracious, loving way. And I walked away going, yep, I got some work to do. He gave me some food for thought. I hope that's what happens for you today, that you leave here with some things to chew on this week. What kind of things are feeding your body and your soul in the Christian life? And what happens in the, in the kitchen? You know, if you go to parties these days, people spend all this money on these big rooms, but don't you know, I bet it's true at your house that a lot of times people just gravitate to the kitchen. And I've been in some of your homes and some of you have big, wide spaces for kitchen and I think that's wonderful. We kind of have that at our house where you, you're just nurtured by the very presence of being in, at the hearth, if you will, of spiritual life. What's feeding your soul? Do you, do you, do you know songs by heart? Some of y'all were singing with me when the band was up here a while ago and there was that Amazing Grace thing going on in the background as Sabre was singing songs, music, what's feeding your soul and your house of faith today. Let me move on. I, I wish I had one at my house, and you may have one, but in my house of faith, there's an exercise room. Now, I'm not one of these sweating for Jesus kind of people. You know what I mean? I'm not out there doing, you know, I, I mean, I sweat and I like to work, but I don't work out to work out in the physical sense, but my friends, we all need an exercise room in our household of faith because you and I engage the world and the world is full of powers and principalities that will chip away and will seduce us and will threaten us and will cause us to hear other voices out there that will lead us down paths that are not healthy that will cause us to, to overdo lots of different things because we don't feel deep inside that we're worth anything. We still feel the stain of sin and shame in our lives. And unless we exercise our hearts and our minds so that we're growing and we're stretching ourselves out and risking, I know it would be scary to teach junior high Sunday school for some of us. But thank God for people that are invested in youth ministry and that understand the value of passing on and experiencing and learning from teenagers, not to teenagers. Another place we exercise our faith is in our ability to give financially. I'm just wondering this morning is if where you are in that part of your life. And if, if over the last 10 years, the ability for you to increase your giving has changed. Have you been stretched because you see a greater need that this church is invested in? Yes, we have buildings. Yes, we have a mortgage. But yes, we have so many different ways through our missional giving to touch and change people's lives. And I'm grateful that this ministry has a balance to it and that you are committed to that. But if you're still doing the same amount and there are other things in your life that you spend your money and time on and you don't wrestle with that, 
then perhaps you could spend more time in the exercise room and learning and growing about stewardship. In her book, Course of Miracles, Marianne Williamson offers this word. This is good stuff. Pardon me for reading it, but I want to get the quote. Our deepest fears are not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We were born to make manifest the glory of God within us. So as we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we liberate from our fears, our presence automatically liberates others. Do not let the fear of being a strong Christian with talents and gifts keep you from shrinking into mediocrity. Exercise your faith and reveal God's glory. And when you do that, you will sweat out impurities, which leads us to another room, the laundry room. Now, I don't like for y'all to come to my house and and I'll shut the door if you come in the kitchen if the laundry room is, because it's messy in there. And there are clothes in there that are stained. There are clothes in there that are ragged. And sometimes we, we put those in the machine and then we send them out or we let the dog play with them in our house. I don't know what you do with your dirty laundry. But all of us have some. There's not a one of us in this room today that would want everybody to know everything about us because we may not be accepted. We need a laundry room in our house of faith. We need a place where we can go dump our stuff because there's nothing we can do about it except turn it over to the one in the room who can take care of it and who has taken care of it. I don't want to bore you with a lot of stuff to tell you that only by the grace of God I can stand up here in front of you and proclaim the gospel. But trust me, I got a story too. How often do we visit the laundry room? At our house, we probably need to wash two or three times a week at least. But maybe in our house of faith, it's a place we visit every morning before we leave or every evening when we come home. And that leads us to the junk room. I don't know about y'all, but I know people that have junk rooms. And, and I think they're important because it's, it, it, play, it holds things that we've discarded that we really don't use anymore, stuff we've left behind. Aren't you glad that we have a God that we can give stuff and leave behind? That it doesn't hold on to us anymore? We know it's there. And it's a part of the whole fabric of our house, but it's not a place where we go anymore. It's where we go and discard stuff. Because you see, the person that walked through that door has changed over the years because they've exercised, because they've, they've fed themselves well spiritually, because they've taken time to be in the study and they have a living room that's proof of their journey. And I think the last room that I'd like to have, and it's not on the outline this morning, so you can write this one in. It's the discovery room. 
Don't you think we all need to have a place where we can, we can be and we can open ourselves up to discovery, new things, new experiences, new ways of living out our faith? I can tell you about my friend Greg. For 17 years or 18 years, he was an attorney. He started out working for the state in DHS, and then he went in, into practicing family law. I met him in 1995, and, and he, he and his young wife became members of the Getwell Road United Methodist Church up in Olive Branch, where I was serving. We had some common things and in, in interest, and we shared a lot of times. And, and then they knew Curry. Before we ever got married, they had connection to Curry and Curry's family. And so when we got married, it, we were the, we were the, it wasn't where we were going and, and, and when. It was just we were there together. No kids, no responsibilities beyond just doing our jobs during the week. And we spent a lot of time together. And Greg is a person of faith. He grew up in a small traditional church in, in Lexington, Mississippi. And I had a, had a deep relationship with him. And I watched him, and he asked questions, and, and he was interested in growing in his faith. And, and his prayer life was phenomenal prayer life. He, he spent a lot of time in meditation. And this is a guy in his 30s, into his 40s. And he left practicing for the state, went into a private practice, did family law. And, and the more he prayed and the more he exercised, the more he was open to God, the more he felt God leading him into something else. And so today, five years after this discovery came in his life, Greg has been the director of family ministries at his local church where he is an expert at the national level of sticky faith. And he'll be coming here this next year to help us take that further. But here's a guy who could have made much more money in the legal profession. But he felt God stirring something in his house of faith and leading him into a new place of doing and being God's person. What about you today? What about your house of faith? And, and what about God's presence? Are there some rooms you need to visit more often? Are there some people that you need to invite into those rooms in your life to share with them? Or there may be some places you walk out the front door and you need to go encounter like over here in about two blocks away. It's called Woodley Elementary School. Wonder what it would be like if the things we've learned in our household of faith sent us out to invite other people just to come sit on the porch. Not to, not to share with them the whole gospel, but to be a part of their lives just enough that they, they too might want to come sit on the porch till they're ready to walk through the door. Oh, my friends, this grace thing, it's contagious. This grace thing is the only thing that really builds the house. And we get to be part of what God does in our lives when we just simply open ourselves up to it. And there'll be people along the way 
to help us. That's my prayer for you today. That you go home and draw out your floor plan. And that you name the rooms in your household of faith. And that you intentionally begin to spend time there. So that when you walk out the door into the world, you take it with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you receive the offering and respond graciously to God's ministry in our church today?